Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Be sure to follow the link in the description after today's episode for more information about today's article and to claim CME credit. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. Louise is a healthy 52-year-old woman who comes in complaining of hot flashes. She hasn't had her period in almost a year and is now having several incidents a day of flushing and feeling hot. She's worried about taking any hormonal therapy and has heard that there's a new drug on the market for their symptoms, asking you, what do you think about me taking this new drug? Hi, this is Frank Domino. Joining me today is Dr. Robert Baldor, professor and founding chair from the Department of Family Medicine at UMass Chan Medical School, Bay State, in Springfield, Massachusetts. Hey, Bob, thanks so much for joining me this morning. Yes, Frank, glad to be here. Wow. So there's a new medication available, a non-hormonal treatment for menopausal symptoms. This is really interesting. Tell me more. (laughs) Yes, Frank, I thought so too. So as you stated, you know, menopause is reached by when a woman has not had a period for a year. It usually occurs around the age of 50. But 80, I wasn't really aware of the statistics, how difficult some of this is. 80% of women will experience these hot flashes. It includes periods of sweating, flushing, and chills that can last for several minutes. It's obviously a reaction to declining levels of uh, estrogen. But symptoms can actually persist for four to five years after menopause. Estrogen replacement is an effective treatment, but concerns over uh, associated increased risk of cancer and cardiovascular disease have been very worrisome for, for, for many women. So there's a new medication out there. It's called fesolinitin. It's a neurokinin-3, NK3 receptor antagonist. It's been shown to be effective in treating moderate to severe hot flashes. What it does is it binds and it blocks the activity of the NK3 receptor. So I was really interested in how this all works. Turns out in our hypothalamus, I think we're, if you may remember it back from your uh, days of neuroanatomy, there's a thermoregulatory center and it's innervated by these neurokinin neurons. And these are stimulated by this neuropeptide, neurokinin B. It acts on those receptors. Interestingly enough, estrogen inhibits that neuropeptide. And so as you have declining hormonal levels, it alters the neurokinin-3 receptor-mediated activity, and so you get dysregulation of the thermoregulatory center. And so you heat up. Well, when your body warms up, you try and get rid of that heat, and how do you do that? Well, you have vasodilatation of your skin, resulting in hot flushes, sweating, and chills. So vesolenitin was recently approved by the FDA to treat hot flashes, so I suspect we're going to be hearing a lot more about this from our patients. Okay. Well, so the FDA approved it. That meant there were some clinical trials. Doesn't necessarily mean that they were uh, they were published in, in journals, but that there are some clinical trials. Tell us a little bit about what we found. Well, you know, it's interesting. This was actually published. This was an industry-funded study. It was published in Lancet this spring, known as the Skylight uh, Study. Randomized, double-controlled, placebo-controlled, 12-week trial with a 40-week active treatment extension. The trial was done at several facilities across the U.S., Canada, and Europe. Of, they actually started with about 2,000 women. They got down to actually enrolling 527 women, mean age of 54, with seven 
or moderate to severe hot flushes daily in their study. Sounds pretty severe, the people that they enrolled. These women were assigned to three groups. You got placebo, you got uh, fesolenzin, 30 milligrams or 45 milligrams daily. And the outcomes were mean changes in the frequency and severity of vasomotor symptoms from the baseline at weeks four and 12. After the first 12 weeks, by the way, the women on placebo were then re-randomized to being on the medication because they wanted to do a 40-week extension study to evaluate for safety. So it was a total of 52 weeks. The women that in the study, 80% of them were self-identified as Caucasian, 17% uh, African-American. A third of them had a previous hysterectomy, 22% had a prior oophorectomy, and about 20% had been on hormonal therapy. Those who had been on hormonal therapy had to go through a washout period uh, prior to entering into the, uh, into the trial. Now, the data, the way they collected the data on uh, these vasomotor symptoms, they uh, provided an uh, interactive uh, uh, diary, electronic diary, to capture it so people could put things in 24 hours a day. The women were given a reference guide. They said, look, mild symptoms, that means you've got a sensation of heat without sweating. Moderate symptoms, you've got a sensation of heat with sweating, but you're continuing your usual activities. Severe symptoms, sensation of heat with sweating, and it causes you to stop doing whatever you're doing. The outcomes measured both the frequency and the severity of symptoms. And so what they found was that compared with placebo, fesolentin, 30 and 45 milligrams, reduced the frequency and severity of vasomotor symptoms at week 4 and 12, with noted improvements observed after the first week, and they seem to be maintained over 52 weeks. If you tease deeper into the data, it appears that the women who were on the medication had an average of two and a half fewer hot flushes per day than those in the placebo, with a slightly decrease uh, in the rating of the severity of those hot flushes. Okay, Bob. Um, they did this study. They did an, took an interesting take on it, and they evaluated the data in a way that I found particularly odd, uh, not how you'd expect most randomized controlled trials to evaluate data. I, I went through the paper, and I've got to tell you, they have more data than they're willing to share. Um, I, I'm, I'm not altogether sure I buy that this drug is very effective. Um, so, all right, let's say it does help reduce by two events per day. Um, what about risks and side effects? Yeah, Frank, you know, these, these industry-funded clinical trials are interesting. I was surprised to see it actually published in Lancet, and, and, but because it's sort of, these are a lot of proprietary things, they don't sort of have it all out there. It's not like an independent investigator, so I suspect more to come. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I always wonder about safety with anything. So um, even though they followed these women for a year, adverse events were reported during the first 12 weeks, headache being the most common uh, treatment emergent adverse effects with uh, uh, 5 or 6% of women reporting uh, headache. Uh, serious uh, treatment adverse effects occurred really infrequently. Only five were reported. And that was uh, increase in uh, AST and ALT, liver function tests. One person reported paresthesias, another person developed uh, varicose veins as, uh, as part of that. Now, the incidence of liver enzyme elevation was low, less than three times normal. And uh, those who had these the increases in ALT, asymptomatic and resolved uh, during uh, treatment as, uh, as part of that. 
However, in other clinical trials, though, presented to the FDA, because I also looked at that data, I looked at the FDA statement, ju not just at this uh, Lancet study, uh, ALT and AST elevations greater than three times the upper limits of normal occurred in a little over 2% of women receiving uh, this medication versus less than one in placebo. So it turns out the FDA has issued a warning about liver injury with this uh, medication. So before using uh, uh, lenitin, uh, should check ALT, AST, and bilirubin levels. Should recommend you need to repeat them every three months for the first nine months of the medication. Additionally, it should not be prescribed concurrently with CYP1A2 inhibitors. So what are those? Well, some of the more potent ones include cimetidine, ciprofloxacin, and, and fluvox. Uh, and they also are, uh, the FDA is saying patients with known cirrhosis or severe renal disease should not take this medication. Okay. Uh, so we have a medication with possibly some benefit and possibly some risks. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not convinced I'd be using this drug. What do you think, Bob? Are you going to prescribe it for your patients? Well, Frank, uh, you know I'm pretty conservative. And it's so like most new medications, I'm going to wait until we have more real-world data. I'd engage this patient in discussion about the relative safety of low-dose estrogen replacement therapy. So, you know, people who looked at the Women's Health Study and then an 18-year follow-up on this after the initial alarms around uh, using this medication, and they really found if you're on low-dose estrogen therapy for five to seven years, there's no increase in all-cause mortality from such uh, therapy. And if people are still reluctant to take a hormonal therapy, there are other things you can take, such as SSRIs or even black coho supplements. Turns out, as I was reviewing this, uh, the American Family Physician just this year published a wonderful review, evidence-based review of uh, uh, common questions and answers for managing menopausal symptoms. And so, I'll, uh, uh, and I've listed that reference here uh, as well if people want to read more about other things that you can do if, if patients are reluctant to take uh, estrogens. And I'm going to wait a little longer before prescribing this medication myself. I, I think I'm on the same page with you here, Bob. I'm not ready to recommend this medication to patients, and I think I'll try quite a few other things before I, I, I come to this. Thank you very much. Practice pointer. A new non-hormonal medication, fesalentinin, is available for your patients who are asking about non-hormonal treatments for hot flushes. Ensure that you're checking liver function tests during the first nine months somebody's on this medication. Join us next time when we cover the data on the new respiratory syncytial virus vaccine for older adults. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out PrimeMed.com for additional CME content.